Hello and welcome to Storytellers of STEM. My name is Rachel Villani. This is episode number 23 of the Antarctica series, and it's also the final one in the series. And today's storyteller is perfect for the finale because it brings the series full circle. So, today's storyteller is Megan McCuller. You may remember her from the very first episode of the Antarctica series where we heard from her as she was on board the National Science Foundation ship, the research vessel Nathaniel B. Palmer, about to embark on an epic journey to Antarctica. They boarded the ship in California, traveled all the way down to Chile, refueled and everything, and then went on about their month-long sampling. In that episode, we talked about the work they were going to do, her expectations, the process they had to go through to even get to do this sampling in a safe way during this COVID-19 pandemic. And so that episode, actually episode 71, way back in November, was the before, and this episode is the after. So in this episode, I catch up with Megan again after Antarctica, and we talk about all the cool creatures they found in their samples, how sampling went, life on the ship, ice breaking, which was one of Megan's favorite parts of it, being isolated from the world for three months, and we talk about what's up next for Megan after Antarctica. Enjoy. How have you been now that you're back in, uh, you know, dry land? It's been hard to get used to, you know? I mean, it's been a couple months now, but still just like, lots happening. <laughs> right, yeah. So I went back and looked at y'all's like icy inverts Twitter tag just to like scroll through. Yeah, yeah. somebody posted y'all were on that ship for 84 days. That's a long time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so long. It's kind of ridiculous. I mean, it's what like, it's almost three months. A quarter of a year. Yeah. Yeah. That's a long time. Pretty ridiculous. Yeah. So I want you to tell me all about it. <laughs> was it well, was it everything you hoped and dreamed? I mean, if you remember, like I didn't really have too many expectations. Um, but I would say like the things that I had talked to people about before going were true, like the ice breaking, you know, that sort of lived up to what I was told it pretty much was, even though it was cool to experience. Um, nothing really prepared me for what it was like to, you know, go the two months, like to Chile. Um, so we had to like sort of fill our time activities or, you know, just random stuff. Y'all had got on the ship in California and had to go all the way down there and restock and all that, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, it was, it was cool. The, you know, just seeing the flying fish, that was neat. Um, just going out on, on the bow and, and watching the fish come out of the water was, was really cool. And the birds, you know, I did that quite a bit. We like watch the stars every once in a while. It was interesting. We we played Dungeons and Dragons. There was a blog post about that. Nice. Um, <laughs> otherwise, we just like started to try and get better about identifying the various invertebrates that we were gonna encounter when we did start sampling. Um, so we had like posters and there was this binder that we had to look through um, to sort of just like, get ourselves uh, familiar with different common species. And that that helped quite a bit. Yeah, yeah, I remember talking about that and I was just like, what are y'all gonna see? And it's all kinds of, you know, 
Antarctic versions of things. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Lots of isopods and amphipods and sea stars and um, like crinoids. Uh, lots of sea stars, lots of sea urchins, um, like heart urchins were pretty common. We saw octopus. That's quite cool. a bit. Yeah. We did see sea pigs and those are really cute, but we saw them less than I thought that we would. Hmm. Um, it must just depend on, you know, where you're sampling. And then lots of bryzoans, which I was happy about. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, I mean, of course, like, as much as you prepare yourself to, like, just images of things, you won't, like, really learn it until you start encountering them in person. So, <laughs> we definitely got better about identifying things once we started seeing them for real. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that makes sense with anything because it's definitely true for me in like plants. I'm like, I can look at a picture of it all day, but once I can actually see it, I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's cool. What was the favorite thing you, that y'all found? Um, everybody had something different. I really like the sea pig, of course, but they were like these giant sea stars that were really cool. Um, I made a tweet about that. <laughs> and then the big sea spiders were also really neat. Really liked the really cool, like mesh looking bryozoan colonies. Those were really neat to find, especially like whole colony because often they would come up just in pieces. And so you would only see fragments, but we got a few really great, which was awesome. <laughs> Yeah, that's cool. So I Googled the sea pig. That thing's weird looking. <laughs> and that's a really good name for it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> There's um, a Z Frank video about them. If you've seen those. Um, and it's, not, it's really good. I have to see that particular one. I've yeah, seen other absolutely. ones. Yeah, because they're the one that did the like the seahorses one and stuff. Is that the same person? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I think yeah. it's more on like sea cucumbers specifically, but. It's good. Yeah, that's funny. <laughs> yeah, this critter's weird looking, but that's awesome. <laughs> I guess I'm curious, like, did you see more or less of like the things you expected or to have any like problems sampling or did everything just, was everything awesome? Um, there were a few issues. <laughs> uh, we we had some, some problems with sampling gear a couple of times, which made it to where just like that was unfortunate <laughs> like the net ripping or um getting caught on things on the bottom um and one time one of our sampling pieces of sampling equipment came up and the metal mesh was peeled like backwards <laughs> so it must have just yeah hit a rock or something and just peeled it I'm not sure exactly what happened but well, it might have been sea monsters. <laughs> Could be. <laughs> um, there were a few times where, like, we were expecting to get this really good sample, and then what came up was just, like, this gross mud. <laughs> and yeah. it would just, it would just come out of the net and just, like, <laughs> go everywhere. <laughs> yeah. 
And what was kind of fun was that if we were on a different like um, team or different schedule than the the team where the sample was actually coming out, we could watch it on the on the TV because the boat has like all these CCTV cameras set up around in various places. So you could watch the trawl come up um, and you could see what came out of it. And so you'd watch it and then you just see like mud splatter, <laughs> even though um, we could see like the camera images beforehand, they would send down this thing called a yo-yo cam that whenever it hits the bottom with a weight, it takes a picture. So they do that for like a kilometer, I think. And so you could go and like look at those pictures beforehand and see like, oh, we might get this and that and this other thing in our sample. And then it comes up and it's just mud. <laughs> and you might see some of those things, but like not as many as you might've expected. Um, on the other hand, like some of the people on the boat were more interested in the stuff that lives in the mud. So they would be interested in those samples. Yeah, that's cool. It's a little bit for everybody, right? Yeah, so and, it's not like if that came up, it was worthless. Yeah, you know? that's good. Yeah, it's like all field sampling, like it doesn't ever go to exactly to plan. <laughs> it's even right. more complex because <laughs> it's an Antarctic situation. Mm -hmm. And even yeah. if you image it on the bottom, you know, who knows, like, because the trawl isn't, or the sampling equipment isn't necessarily going to take the same like, track as mm -hmm. those images, even though you try and do that as best as possible. Yeah. Yeah. So I, like I said, I looked back through y'all's Twitter, you know, hashtag, and I saw that it, somebody posted, it looked like a dead whale that picked up on one of the yo-yo cam things. And I was just like, that would be so weird to just like, see that come back I mean I know whales gotta go somewhere when they die but you don't expect to see it on camera <laughs> or I don't yeah, anyway. what's what's funny is that um that was during my shift and we were looking back at the camera camera images because it was taking a while um for us to do something I don't remember what exactly but um and and so we were watching them and I was just like wow there's a lot of sea urchins right there wait <laughs> that's that's like the tail of a whale or something um and then you know other people started coming and, and looking at it and then and that was like at the very end it was our like last sample site and we ended up going back and trying to like see it again um they sent the yo-yo cam down again and unfortunately we never like picked it up again but it was very cool um it looked pretty recent, you know, because it it wasn't bones. It was like a tail that didn't look very decayed at all. But it was a very, definitely a very cool find. Yeah, it just looks like part of a whale, <laughs> like a regular, you know, with yeah, urchins all I over mean, it. That's really weird. That's like something a bunch of us thought would be super cool is if um, we pulled up like a whale bone or something or saw a decayed whale uh in some manner um because in the past like they did just happen to pick up a bone like a bone from a whale full that happened to have bone worms on it which is just super cool and just like very you know <laughs> something that's going to be very rare to happen 
Yeah, so what is a bone so worm? <laughs> uh, they're, so they're like these worms that uh, sort of like burrow into the bone of whales and other, you know, falls and just help like decay the animal. So they're the genus Osidax. Okay, that makes um, sense. It's just like, sounds so weird and exotic almost, <laughs> or like alien maybe is the right word. Yeah, there's so many like very niche things uh -huh. <laughs> in the ocean. Um, and they're, they're a common name. I call it a bone worm, but they're also called like bone-eating snot worms. Um, <laughs> And they're, yeah, they're just these weird little worms that are super cool and just have this interesting life cycle. And their specialty is eating bones. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I know there's lots of large animals that, you know, they could get food from, but I mean, how often, it seems like that would be a hard thing to find as food, is what I guess what I'm trying to say. <laughs> yeah, there's studies are you know done on that how like recruitment happens to these things since they can be like so far away from each other it's very interesting yeah it's that's really cool yeah I'm always curious like how things find their food especially if it's something so specific like that yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh man well so how was your Drake passage I mean you had to go twice right up and down and back up how'd that go we did um it wasn't thought it would be at least that's my understanding I didn't have any issues but some people <coughs> excuse me some people did um the the seas weren't like super high um but we did go through some rough patches you know you would know if that was going to happen because like in the mess hall they would put out placemats so your food didn't like slide off the table <laughs> or we would funny. get an email you know just saying to prepare ourselves and, and get our cabins like in order so stuff wouldn't slide off our desk or um yeah <laughs> so there were there were definitely some some times where we would go over some waves I remember being woken up one night just because we went over a, a big wave and it just jarred me and woke me up. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure that would wake me up too. I like yeah. that there's special rough seas placemats. <laughs> like <Yeah>. warning. <laughs> yeah, just like non-slip mats. Yeah. <laughs> or, you know, just weren't like that high. They were definitely higher than what we had experienced before for the most part. Um, so like my cabin was pretty much above the mess hall so when we hit like a wave I can sometimes hear things crashing down there <laughs> which is a little bit alarming but it was usually just the the stuff in the bins that they would have for us like ketchups and sauces and stuff would be you know knocking into each other yeah that would be surprising at least like the first <laughs> time if not every time <laughs> yeah <laughs> Like, oh no, everything's breaking. It's just like ketchup and mustard. <laughs> yeah, I don't um, like remember he hearing anything about things being broken, like important things being broken. So like, you know, microscopes or whatever were fine. Um, so I think we 
got away with <laughs> we got away pretty good yeah that's good because i have definitely seen some videos where i'm just like uh guys that looks like uh you know like it may not work <laughs> some pretty yeah. scary videos out there but you know like maybe i i work on small boats so i'm not like used to big waves <laughs> like that right so maybe what i think is scary is just like normal for a boat that size but i don't know <laughs> i mean when we were going through the drake passage or like there was a storm we were told about we most people wouldn't be going up to the higher levels we would usually stay on on one of the lower decks but other than that like i mean there were a few people i know that got seasick and you'd be like oh we're so and so you know they're not at they're not at lunch you know because they're sleeping um or you know just trying not to be sick or they're not hungry so that was unfortunate but again i i think we got away pretty good we got pretty lucky in terms of our Drake Passage experiences, uh, <laughs> but I'm, I'm not sure what they would be like if we were in a smaller boat. It's my, yeah, probably I was told, yeah, I was told if we were on the other boat, the gold, um, it would have been worse, or at least it would have felt worse just because yeah. you have the boat, the whole boat is moving. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, because like some boats are built differently to handle things better, or if a boat's like bigger, that's always helpful. Yeah, and you were on the Nathaniel B. Palmer, right? Yeah, yeah, and that's like we didn't. We like you could really see the difference between the Palmer and the Gould because uh, when we were in port in Chile, we actually parked right behind the Gould, so we could actually see how big we were compared to that boat. <laughs> it's like, wow, okay, that's a little bit of a difference. Definitely glad we're on the Palmer for three months. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, I don't know much about those types of vessels, but I, the, the, that ship, the Palmer, has come up like several times of like, I guess it's a fairly well-known research vessel. <laughs> yeah, I guess so. Yeah, which is kind of cool, but. Um, Definitely. What was like the weirdest thing y'all pulled up? You know, you didn't find any whale bones, but maybe something else weird came up. There were definitely like some worms that were pretty cool, but that I'm, I wasn't like in that sort of group, you know? So there may be things that I didn't hear about. <laughs> um, I know there were a few like, oh, this could be a new species type things, um, which is always exciting. Yeah, for sure. And yeah, just unfortunate size, like just because it's sort of go, 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 once you start sampling, there's not a ton of time to spend on certain samples that you might want to spend extra time on. Right. Um, so a lot of that is probably going to come afterwards once we get the samples shipped in yeah okay so that's a good point so y'all we talked about before y'all left that y'all were gonna collect all these things and there's gonna be loads of processing after so like where's everything now has it been has it made it to where it's gonna go is it still like in transit or something because i'm sure y'all gonna have lots of lab work coming up yeah it's being stored really as far as i'm aware and it'll get shipped to um Auburn and University of Alabama at some point <laughs> in the next like hopefully a couple of months we're not really 
quite sure. And again, I'm I'm not in one of the like major labs, so they they might have more information. But last I heard, we were hoping that stuff was going to get shipped in like April. Oh, interesting. Yeah. So future y'all will have your work cut out for you. <laughs> yeah, more things will start happening again related to this yeah. <laughs> trip, like once that stuff gets in. Yeah, I think that's like one of the like, I don't know, strangest things maybe about like doing field collection because you do all this field work and then you have all these samples and then sometimes that takes longer to go through than like the actual collection part because <laughs> you just like collect, collect, collect and then sort through it for months or maybe a year or whatever. And yeah, like there's a lag, <laughs> right? Because you can't do it all immediately. Um, yeah, exactly. But it'll all get used at some point, you know, which is great. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's but awesome. yeah, the, the actual process on the boat was mainly just like, we need to make sure it all gets like processed as soon as possible. So it's um, like in the best condition it can be for when we get it later. <laughs> yeah, do the work now so that like future people, y'all or whoever else is helping don't have to struggle with it. You have the best conditions. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that exactly. makes sense. Yeah. Because we, you want like the best data you can can get. Yeah, you go through all that effort, right? You want to make it as best as possible. Yeah, and especially since that stuff you can do in the lab, not on a boat. You want to use as much time as you can for doing stuff that you can only do on the boat. Yeah, that definitely. Um, how how was life on the ship for eighty four days? Like. <laughs> you know how many people wait how many people was it again I forgot it wasn't a massive so there amount. were there were about 20 on the science crew and 50 on the ship overall okay yes yeah, not that many people <laughs> yeah it, it's really not and um there could have been more like I guess in a normal like year on a normal cruise there'd be more people but just because of the overall conditions of pandemic and all that it was just us. There were still, you know, a number of projects happening, but just fewer than there would have been otherwise. Yeah, that makes okay. sense. I mean, given that the world's a dumpster fire, I could see how there'd be fewer people. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and we were like the only cruise that went out, um, which is pretty wild. Yeah, because most people I've talked to, since I talked to you the first time, their field work this year was postponed, but most of them were doing it like they were land-based, and so, you know, they didn't couldn't right. travel down there, yeah. But still, like, there's a lot of science that didn't happen this season. Yeah, and probably it, not this year, too. True. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, so it's very fortunate y'all were able to go, I guess is the point of that. Yeah, definitely. Um, and luckily got along pretty well and we didn't really have any major issues that's good so that's, that's always like the main good. concern right yeah <laughs> yeah because <Yeah. laughs> yeah, if you have a big fight where are you gonna go nowhere <laughs> right <laughs> a lot of us are just big nerds so we like you know video games and dungeons and dragons and stuff mm -hmm. like that <laughs> yeah like most scientists i think <laughs> Yeah, that's awesome. Would you do another uh, Antarctic cruise or another, you know, offshore trip that was at least 84 days long? Or is that enough? <laughs> um, I think I would do it again. I think 
I wouldn't want anything longer. That's fair. Yeah. <laughs> I like at the end, I was like, okay, I think I've reached my limit. <laughs> yeah. How long I can be on a boat. Right. I think that's fair. You were on that ship for a long time. <laughs> yeah. And again, like a normal cruise would have only been like a month, month and a half. Yeah. So <laughs> yeah, which at is- least for this purpose. Yeah, half of what you did, basically. Yeah, yeah. I, asked, I asked that because I've definitely talked to some people who are like, yeah, I did one research trip to Antarctica, either like on a ship or not. And they're like, I think once was enough because it's like far <laughs> and remote and, you know, you don't maybe have access to your family or your normal supports or whatever. And so someone told me, they're like, you can get a lot of people to go once, but maybe not more than <laughs> once. So I was just curious how you felt having like literally just done this for <laughs> Yeah, um, I again, I, I would probably do it again, especially like if, if it wasn't necessarily like to Antarctica, even though I thought it was really cool. But I mean, I, I don't have husband or, you know, sure, <laughs> yeah. other kids or I have pets, but so it's, and I don't teach. So it's sort of just like, it's kind of easier for me to get away if possible if the opportunity arises, mm-hmm. which it's, you know, not, not as easy for most people, I think. No, I think that's a really good point. It's the same for me. It's just like, okay, someone's going to have to watch my dog if I'm going to go for a long time somewhere, yeah. but that's like the main logistical issue, I guess. You know? Yeah. I had yeah. somebody come and watch my cats. <laughs> yeah. Like in reality, if I was to do something like that, like my cat and dog would just go live at my parents for a couple of months, you know, <laughs> like that would, and that would be fine. Um, yeah. And it probably also depends on how everybody gets along, I guess. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 It seemed like all the people you were with, just because I followed it on Twitter, was it seemed like a lot of really cool scientists and a lot of entertaining people. And it just seemed like yeah. from from my perspective on Twitter, like a lot of fun. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. <laughs> we had a, a lot of good times and silly jokes and stuff that we shared. <laughs> uh-huh. Yeah, which is like a thing I find comes with like any field work when you're like with the same group over and over again, you have all these like inside jokes and silly things and it's field work can be fun. (laughs) Especially when you're like doing all that stuff for three months. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yeah, for sure. So my field season has just sort of started, but we have a new student worker and we just did this presentation to our office of like, things that happen in the field and this was like on the student workers first day and she saw the whole video and we're just like well what do you think she's like it seems like an adventure and I was like yep yep it's gonna be an adventure (laughs) like that's a good way to look at it yeah Uh, it'll be fine and it's just it was I mean she's in college it was just funny we tried to you know make it fun when there were times where like it wasn't fun if it was like really cold and we were dealing with just a bunch of mud you know <laughs> we would we would uh try and just like make little games or whatever when we found the sea pigs we were like well we found one we have to keep going now <laughs> i know it's funny the things you can use to motivate yourself right like yeah <laughs> oh, that's so funny. and we listened to music while we were processing stuff in the lab so mm. That helps too. Yeah, that helps too. My coworker brings a speaker. It's like this waterproof speaker and she clips it to the airboat cage and she'll play music while we're like out on the boardwalk. And so I'm just like doing my data collection and listening to the music that she's got playing. And yeah, it's kind of fun. Yeah. 
it helps motivation. It does. And stuff. Yeah, <laughs> it really does. So y'all got off, y'all didn't take the ship all the way back to California, right? Like y'all got off somewhere <laughs> else. And I'm sure there was like a lot of culture shock. Can you tell me about how that went? Well, we didn't really get to experience anything. Um, so they, we got off the boat in Punta Arenas and they put us on a shuttle and we just got shuttled to the airport and then that was it. <laughs> so we yeah. were just like airport to the next airport to the next airport um, and then we're home. So there really wasn't much to it. We were not able to do any sightseeing. So we got to see Punta Arenas as like, well, this is what we see outside of our shuttle. Yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah it makes sense given you know the state of the pandemic but um yeah it was probably it had to be weird like seeing different people <laughs> yeah and having to wear masks again and just like oh, yeah socially distance and yeah because they yeah they did like a temperature check and um that sort of thing made sure that we were all negative I mean, we had been negative for three months. <laughs> right. So you should still be at that point. Yeah. They didn't, um, we didn't get like a test. They just did like temperature check and we had to fill out this form mm -hmm. um, before we got to the airport. So yeah, we haven't been anywhere. We've all been around other negative people. <laughs> yeah. You've literally been in a bubble, like yeah. figuratively been in a bubble, you know? Yeah. But that's like a long journey. Like you've been on this ship and then now you're going to go through whatever, four or five flights and it's a lot of moving and different things. Yeah, it was definitely a lot. Um, I did, so it was Punta Arenas to Santiago then Santiago to Miami. And then most people like separated from there. I went to Charlotte after that. Um, and then to Raleigh. <laughs> yeah, geez. but a lot of people, you know, they'd go to like Houston or um, Atlanta. Mm -hmm. um, so a lot of people went to Atlanta, and I was the weirdo who was going to Raleigh. <laughs> yeah, well, because a lot of those people were in, you know, similar labs, right? It was like clusters of people. Yeah, uh, yeah. Plus you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> there were a few people who went elsewhere, but mm -hmm. like not not a ton. Yeah. Is it like, I mean, you sort of said this in the beginning, like, is it weird, you know, like sitting in your office and doing all like back to normal life now? Does it feel kind of surreal? It does. Yeah. <laughs> it's sort of like, oh, did that even happen? <laughs> I know it's weird, now, right? I'm, yeah. Trying to get back into the swing of normal life. And um, I've mostly been telling people the hardest part is like feeding myself. <laughs> For three months, you know, we had chefs that were making meals for us three, four times a day. Um, and now it's like, oh, man. <laughs> I could totally see that. That's one of my least favorite things to do is like make food decisions. And then to not have to do that for months sounds amazing. It was then, pretty great on the boat. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then like terrible to have to do it again. <laughs> Yeah, I always joke that I just want one of those things from like some sci-fi show where you just like push a button and it gives you healthy food. That's what I want. <laughs> like, I don't want to decide. Someone just feed me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's the indecision part. Mm -hmm. We're like, I'm not really a food person. Like, I don't, 
you know, I, I mean, food's fine, but I don't really care, if someone, you know? Yeah. So. Well, especially yeah. like just the food on the boat was really good. So yeah. now it's like, yeah. I have to make things that I try to make as good. <laughs> of course, a lot of it was, it was a lot of red meat. It was a lot of meat, <laughs> mm. which I don't eat a ton of when I cook for myself. So. Yeah, same. Yeah that's a bit different probably healthier but <laughs> yeah just different though yeah, yeah. Oh, that's so interesting yeah I've, I've taken like long trips places I mean not for months or somewhere quite as remote necessarily but it's just like oh I went on this like amazing adventure and it came back and I'm like did I just imagine like the last couple of weeks or month or whatever <laughs> so I imagine yeah. it's like that but you know times four or five <laughs> I don't know, like way more intense. Yeah, definitely. And I, I do that also with stuff I've done in the past. Like, wow, I'm back to normal. Like, did it even happen? Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> so it is very sort of surreal. I don't know if everybody else would say the same. Maybe not if they're like constantly working on, you know, sort of like follow-up reports and stuff. Maybe not, but... <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. It's almost like you, you went and did this amazing thing and then you were just like pulled back out of it and put back into normal life, which right. it's like yeah. a weird change. Yeah. <laughs> the, the transition up to it was a little bit better because it's like, oh, I'm preparing to go on this thing. Like I've got to do all these, all this paperwork and get all these things done. But coming back, it's just like, boop. I unpack and that's about it. And now I wait for the samples. Yeah. Yeah, you unpack and have to buy food. Yeah. Yeah. Like getting yeah. right back, it's like, well, there's exactly zero things in my fridge. Right. It's even gone for months. Oh, man, I tried yeah. to have like canned stuff, you know, and like rice and stuff that you can prepare without having stuff in the fridge, but still required a, a nice grocery trip. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm sure. <laughs> yeah. If you could give yourself advice, like if you could somehow go back in time and give yourself advice about the trip now that you've gone, what would you tell yourself? Probably don't take as much stuff. <laughs> <laughs> because I, I didn't know what I was going to need um, exactly. I had gotten a list from somebody else who went just to help me pack mm-hmm. and that was great but I still think I brought too much <laughs> yeah did you end and, up like with stuff you didn't end up using or didn't use much yeah just stuff I didn't end up using which you know might be different depending on who else is going mm-hmm. but yeah there was stuff that I ended up not using not needing um so I have a better idea of that now (laughs) Mm -hmm. what's an example of something you brought that you didn't use I'm just curious um I just brought like some hobby stuff Mm -hmm. I brought like a puzzle that never got used um so yeah there were a few like hobby things that I ended up not using at all because I was just like well sort of using other people's stuff. It'd be like <laughs> games or um, somebody brought up a switch. Mm. And so 
you know, use their controllers because I didn't have um, my own controllers. So, yeah, I think a lot of that just probably depends on who else is on the trip. <laughs> yeah, I could see that. Yeah, I was just curious because right. I was like, I don't even know what I would pack, <laughs> let alone like where I don't even know where to start. So I was just curious. Yeah, I, I mean, I brought stuff to like keep myself busy um, in downtime that ended up not being used because I was spending that downtime with like other people, you know, so it was more like hanging out mm-hmm. as opposed to using stuff that I brought yeah for that purpose (laughs) well that sounds like more fun anyway even if the stuff you brought was cool yeah I have no problems with how it worked out yeah yeah (laughs) like the stuff I brought I can use at home so I just didn't know what to expect especially um like I didn't really know anybody when I got Mm -hmm. on the boat so I also didn't know how I was sort of gonna get along with other people um but that worked out fine so yeah, I feel like I probably would have done the same thing, like bring stuff you know you like just in case so you're not going to be like bored, but not needing it is the best outcome. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and I know some people brought like a bunch of food stuff because it was sort of like we didn't know what was going to be on the boat, but there was plenty of snacks and things. So it's like, okay, if you have specialty stuff that you just can't live without, then bring that but um and like chocolate and stuff but just general snacking you know you're covered (laughs) that's funny that's something everybody says like bring chocolate I guess this is a thing humans can't live without (laughs) chocolate yeah I'm glad I brought chocolate um because there wasn't really any chocolate um just freely available there were like oreos um and you know sort of like cookie type things but there were like Hershey's Kisses or Hershey bars or things like that yeah I gotcha it would yeah maybe it is good advice and I keep people keep telling us like do I really want to talk at that much I'm sitting here thinking like yeah I probably would (laughs) yeah so you definitely don't need to bring like oh I need to just have all these snacks Mm -hmm. just in case I'm hungry between meals but the mess hall has like tons of snacks yeah yeah that's good to know I mean the food situation sounds great yeah (laughs) there was a lot of snacking Mm -hmm. at least you know when we were in transit did y'all have like a favorite or did you I guess have a favorite area you went to or a spot that you just like liked more than other places I don't know how close y'all were to like land either so I don't know um um we got off the boat once which was pretty cool like we got to go on land once uh, once we were down there that was neat that's Um, cool yeah we got to take the uh zodiacs which are just the rubber rafts and they took us to this little piece of land that was sort of rocky um had great views we could see like the boat on on the water uh which was really neat just seeing the boat and it, it looks tiny from where we're sitting we're like wow we've lived on that for two months <laughs> and now it looks so small uh-huh. <laughs> um i liked breaking ice 
So just like anywhere where we would go and we broke eyes. I enjoyed that. <laughs> yeah. What did you enjoy about it? Is it just because it's like this, this weird thing that most people don't get to experience? So I don't I think a lot of it was that, but just the ice is really pretty. Mm-hmm. And there's different kinds of ice. So you'd go out on the bow and just like see a different kind of ice or cool icebergs. And um, it was just fun to experience, I guess. Not if you were sleeping necessarily. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I was like, I want to be ice breaking, but when I'm awake. <laughs> and of course, the other people on their shift who are asleep when I'm awake are probably like, Meh. yeah, probably. Yeah, that does um, sound cool because I mean, I've never experienced that, but seeing all that ice would be cool. Yeah, it was it was neat seeing like sometimes it just be like a flat sheet, and as we're breaking it. Um, you'd get this like nice crack in the ice. I know I tweeted about that a couple of times. Um, or just seeing the ship break the ice because it would just ram up and sort of like slide on the ice and then break down and then it back up and then ram it again. <laughs> so it was very time consuming. And also if you were like down in the mess hall, which is right where the front of the bow is, um, it was really loud. I'm sure, yeah. <laughs> it was just like cracking and, and the ice scraping along the side and um, <laughs> just jarring, kind of. So you'd have to like, yeah, I mean, to talk to people. <laughs> oh, that's funny. <laughs> yeah, that's not like a thing boats are usually built to do is to ram into things, but you know, no. those ones are. <laughs> and And it was interesting because we didn't get to go like as far down south in the Weddell Sea as we wanted to because the ice was too thick. Um, mm-hmm. And that's just because like, even though it was late spring, the ice hadn't gotten enough time to like, just thin out a little bit. Yeah. And so it would have been preferable to go like a little bit later, like a month or two later. And I think future trips, they're, they're planning on having the trip in like, think January or February Mm. just because the ice will be lighter Mm -hmm. um so I know there was like a lot of talk of like where's the ice going and how thick is it and how old is it so I learned a lot about different kinds of ice on the boat which was really neat um because they'd be like well we could go down this way but if the wind starts blowing you know this way the ice could like go towards our direction and then we'd be stuck. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Even though we're in an icebreaker vessel, it, again, it's time consuming and, you know, takes a lot of fuel and it's slow. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So you don't want to be doing it like a ton. Um, It's, it's better to just like, oh, if there's a little bit of thick ice to break through it and then if it's smooth sailing from there. So it's, it was very interesting hearing from like the PI, oh, well, we can't, we can't keep going down this way because the ice is too thick. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I thought that was very neat. Yeah, it's really interesting. You don't want to get stuck. <laughs> no, because yeah. you, and you, of course, when you're on the boat, you hear stories of like boats getting stuck before and 
Mm-hmm. Nobody wants that. <laughs> no, nobody wants that. I actually, like last month, I just read um, Endurance about the Shackleton expedition that got yep. the one that got stuck. And yep. so and it was like, <laughs> they ended up somewhere near the Weddell Sea. And so the, them talking about ice in that book and like how it moved around, I was like, yeah, I can kind of understand what you're talking about just because I had literally just read that book. But yeah, yeah. nobody wants to get stuck <laughs> like that. So yeah. extreme situation. It'd be great if we could go down further, mm-hmm. but at the same time, we don't want to get stuck. Yeah. Um, yeah. So we ended up uh, at one point deciding that it'd be better to just go around the peninsula. So we ended up on the opposite side of the peninsula at one point doing some sampling over there as well. Even though our like original plan was to stay, you know, in the Weddell mm-hmm. and sort of like south of the south and um east of the peninsula yeah yeah that makes sense yeah less risky (laughs) (laughs) yeah so what uh what's up next for megan now that antarctica's gone you're done i should say what you got Um, going on next in your science world pretty much just business as usual i guess and and my job (laughs) we're working on some well, a grant proposal to take care of some of our collections. Mm-hmm. And we just got a, another grant, actually part of a big grant that a bunch of other museums are on to take care of marine collections mm-hmm. and waiting until the Antarctica samples come in and then I can do some stuff on that. <laughs> and um, yeah, I guess waiting and seeing if maybe I'm invited on the next one, I don't know. Yeah, maybe. That'd be cool. You don't even know. Right. I'm sure everything's so up in the air right now. Yeah. 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 Um, I look back at my notes and uh, I know you're in North Carolina. This is the Museum of Natural History. Is that the right name? Uh, Museum of Natural Sciences. So close. (laughs) And you're the collections manager. What does a collections manager do? Good question. It's funny because sometimes when I say I'm a collections manager, people are like, oh, it must be so stressful, like calling people to collect their money. And I'm like, that is not what I do at all. <laughs> um, it's essentially just like maintaining the collection. Mm-hmm. Um, so I make sure our like samples or we call them lots mm-hmm. of, of specimens are like preserved correctly and in the right housing so one thing I've been doing is like these old jars and mm-hmm. stuff comes in and then I move them right now I've been like timing myself on how long it takes me to um, rehouse these like millipede collections because in grant proposals they want to know like how many man hours it's going to mm-hmm. take for a certain thing to happen um, and so I can say oh it takes like three minutes per lot to like get it into a new jar that's up to standards and into the right um, preservative, things like that. And a lot of it's digitizing collections. So like once we get the Antarctic specimens at some point, I'll put them into our collections database and like image them and things like that. Yeah, that's cool. I feel like there's a lot of museums out there that have stuff that's like not available digitally and that's probably a thing that a lot of museums are probably working on or will work on oh it's so much it's exactly why we got this grant (laughs) yeah Um, 
so it's it's a grant essentially it's like four million dollars or something and mm -hmm. portions of it go to like 20 different museums and the whole purpose is to digitize marine collections and there's one for non-mollusks and there's one for mollusks they're like two separate grants but just because uh, marine collections are just like there's just so many that aren't digitized we have mm -hmm. estimations on that that this grant is specifically to just like make a huge push over the next three years to get that stuff into a database like and online so it's accessible mm -hmm. which it's going to be great once once that happens. <laughs> yeah, for sure. I love it when things are searchable and can be found like that instead of like yeah. going through cabinets or whatever. Exactly. Because I mean, sometimes we'll get emails like, oh, do you have such and such? And we're like, we don't even know. <laughs> yeah, maybe. <laughs> pretty certain we don't. I could go look. But, but if it's digitized, we've already, like, it's gone through somebody's hands and mm -hmm. put it there. And it's maybe, like, less difficult for my collection just because we're, I wouldn't say we're small, we're, like, medium-sized. Um, but other collections, like, of course, the Smithsonian have just, like, millions I'm of sure. things that are just not, yeah, not digitized. If they go down that road, they're going to find things they didn't know they had. <laughs> oh, yeah. So, I mean, I've, I've visited the Smithsonian to look at Bryozoan things, and it's just like, wow, they have so much stuff. Like, and they've got quite a bit of stuff, you know, digitized, but it's, the portion is so small. <laughs> right, yeah. Yeah, it's, and it's hard to, like, keep track of lots of things anyway, and then yeah, I'm sure it's all just chaos. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I actually have a, a call in 10 minutes here. It's about a working group for this mm. grant that's like workflow. Okay, what's like the best workflow for doing this stuff? Mm -hmm. And then there's another work um, working group that's for like, you know, taking images. There's another one for like, how do you geo-reference stuff? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, not how do you georeference stuff, but like what's the best way to do it? What's the mm -hmm. least time consuming way? Because a lot of these museums don't have that many staff. So mm -hmm. we're sort of like doing the best we can. <laughs> right, yeah. But a yeah. good portion of it, is, um, the grant is like hiring people to do this. Mm -hmm. so. Yeah, well, that's that sounds cool. And I feel, so I, the other thing I was gonna say actually is, I feel like so much of science is just like data management or organization and just like keeping track of shit because it's just a yeah. lot. It, it really is. And to be honest, like I'm terrible with that sort of thing, like in my own life. Uh -huh. and like I do it at work and I'm good at it at work. But for my own life, I'm like, no, it's, I'll remember that later. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I know. I feel like I have tracking sheets for to track my tracking almost is how it feels. Just like, oh, there's yeah. data everywhere. And there's like different tabs for all the data. And it's, it's a lot. It's a lot to keep up with. Yeah. And especially when everybody wants to use a different thing, like, mm -hmm. you know, most people use email, but I'm not great at email sometimes. And then other people are like, we've started a Slack, but some people <laughs> don't like the Slack. They want stuff on email <laughs> oh, but yeah, then it's yeah. like especially for this grant we've got all these 
like things that are scheduled mm-hmm. they're posted on the slack but they may be in different channels so how do you keep track of that now we've got google calendar yeah i don't <laughs> have any answers for you google drive yes <laughs> so you keep track of like <laughs> need a yeah. spreadsheet to just keep track of where each yeah we use, <laughs> we use Microsoft stuff at my work and I have a folder on my OneDrive that's like how to do things. And it's like, this is where this is and this is where this is and this is where this lives. And this is how you do this thing you do once a year. Yeah. <laughs> I would oh, be lost I should, without that. <laughs> I should start something like that. Because <laughs> yeah, it's the same. Like our schedule is a, sca- a shared file from my OneDrive because it's not a calendar because we need to see like a bunch of things and information. And yeah, it's chaos. Yeah. <laughs> and something like for us some things are on zoom but some things are on teams and mm-hmm. and those are scheduled in the outlook calendar but i oh, yeah. pretty much only use my google calendar yeah yeah i hear you on all of this <laughs> <laughs> and then of course like the pandemic is mm-hmm. right know, the insurrection <laughs> yeah all of the dumpster fires going on yeah Just i hear you multitude of dumpster fires (laughs) yes exactly oh man yeah Yeah. well I know you said you got a call in five minutes so I will let you go but it was awesome to talk to you again thank you yeah yeah thanks for being flexible um it was good good to meet with you again yeah it was fun and I'm glad we could do it on zoom this time (laughs) yeah yeah well you know ships can only do so much right Hey y'all, it's Rachel here. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. I hope you enjoyed it. Um, I just wanted to have a quick reminder that if you or a friend or someone you think would be a good guest, if you have any people like that, let me know or send them my way in some way. Um, And how you can do that is you can find me on Twitter at Flying Cypress. You can find the podcast on Facebook at Storytellers of STEM. That's STEM with two M's. We also have a shiny new Twitter account for the podcast, so you can find the podcast on Twitter at Storytellers42. Yes, I'm a nerd. You can also email me, storytellersofstem at gmail.com, or you can find me and everything else on my website, rachelvillani.com. So you have loads of ways to get in touch with me. I want to hear from you. Go like the Facebook page, follow me on Twitter, follow all the storytellers on Twitter since they're mostly all there and just, you know, have a good day and thank you for listening.